Bedford's News Talk Station. 1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologus. Get your finances in order. Moneywise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Everyone is talking about Money Wise with the Money Guys. Ray Lance of USA Wealth Group here. And good morning, Ray. It's great to see you. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. If it's Sunday morning, it must be Phil. It must be magic to be here on Sunday morning. And welcome to Money Wise. Every Sunday morning, we like to bring you topics that will help you and help your family and most importantly, we want to show you how you can protect your yourself, protect your family, protect your money, and welcome. Thank you so much for listening. Today we're going to talk about your home. Of course, um, we have a few other things we're going to talk about this morning with Attorney Tenny Lance and Attorney Mike Coleman. Welcome to both of you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, first thing we're going to talk about today is our wonderful Patriots. What a great season it was. What a game. Oh, an incredible game. Uh, there's nothing like discipline and preparation and doing your job. And, boy, that's exactly what Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the entire team did. It's just, and commitment and perseverance. Yeah, discipline, <coughs> preparation, preparation. And really that's what you guys are all about, isn't it? I mean, you know what you're doing. You know your subject matter. You help people protect their assets. You do great estate planning. Plan ahead. Plan exactly. ahead. Yep, yeah. you have to do that. One of the things that I like to say, and we've been saying it more lately, is, ladies and gentlemen, it's your job to protect your family. And basically, it's the job of the lawyers at Lance Law, Inc. to help you do your job. So what we're going to talk about today is protecting your house. You know, Mike and Tenny, there is nothing more important for most people uh, in terms of assets, at least, than protecting their house. Obviously, your health comes first, your family comes first. Those are the most important things we all celebrate and take care of in life. But after that, most people are more concerned about protecting their house than any other single thing, I expect. Do you find that the case? Yes, we certainly do. Um, people come in and want to talk about their legal documents, and almost immediately everyone says, but how do I protect my house? Right. That seems to be number one, isn't it? Absolutely. Even for, you know, smaller estates, I guess it would maybe be more important for a smaller estate to protect the house. That's sure. really the one thing that they care most about. Because that's their biggest asset exactly. in that case, isn't yeah. it? Well, we're going to talk today about physical protections. We're going to talk about legal protections, homestead, the types of tenancies you can have in your house. Uh, should you have a mortgage? What happens if you have a mortgage? How can you protect yourself if you have a mortgage? Wouldn't you like to have your mortgage paid off, for example, if something happens to you? Um, what if you have a, a two-income household where husband and wife are both working and one person dies and that income disappears? Wouldn't it be nice to have some protection to pay off the mortgage and the surviving spouse gets to live in the house with no mortgage on it. We'll talk about long-term care insurance. Should you transfer your house to your children? Um, we're going to talk about a little bit about wills and trusts, but not too much. And we also want to talk about what are some of the things that you can do to protect your house from a nursing home claim. 
So there's something here for everybody, I suspect. Um, and one thing that I'd like to mention, if you don't mind, is if you want to hear more on all of these subjects, then you could attend our seminar, which is coming up on Thursday, February 16th, actually one at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and one at 6.30 in the evening at our offices at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. Why don't you tell people where that office is located, roughly? It's easy to find. It's just as you go north over the railroad tracks on Fonts Corner Road with a third driveway on the left across from the law school and Vanity Fair, which everyone seems to know. Right. So it's easy to find. If somebody wants to go to a seminar on Thursday the 16th, either afternoon or evening, should they make a reservation? We would like them to do that, please, just so we'll know how many are coming and be prepared and have enough seats. And uh, if they would call, please, at 508-998-8800, or they can email, and Mike knows the email and web address is better than I. <laughs> so that would be info at lancelawinc.com. Uh, you can go to our website, lancelawinc.com. So that's a polite way, Tenny, of saying that you don't remember it right away. <laughs> oh, well. Um, I don't uh, do social media all that well, no. <laughs> well, let's talk about our, our homes. Um, uh, a lady named Jane Sherwood A. said, home wasn't built in a day. <laughs> True. A little, little pun, isn't it? Cute. And then there's a guy named James Otis who said, a man's house is his castle. And somebody else said, a man's house is his wife's castle. <laughs> so, happy life, happy happy wife. Something like that. Yeah. I'm not sure that's really true, but we won't go there. <laughs> By the way, how's your... No, never mind. Um, so let's talk about protecting your house, and um, let's start by talking about what kinds of tenancies there are. When you take title to a house, most people take title in their own individual name. But what happens if they're married? What are some of the ways that somebody might take title to a house? Start with Mike. Well, typically it would be as tenants by the entirety, which is the way uh, most couples take title. Um, that basically just means that if one spouse were to pass away, the other one becomes the sole owner of the property. Okay. So there's a right of survivorship, I guess. Exactly. Right. Yep. Now, doesn't a joint tenancy do the same thing? It does, yep. It joint tenants with rights of survivorship, as it said, if one of those joint tenants, whether it be two or three, um, pass away, the others uh, get a right to the property. So. All right, so a right of survivorship exists in both a joint tenancy or a tenancy by the entirety. So is the tenancy entirety then just for married people? It would be, yes. All right, and can it be also for same-sex married people? Of course. Okay. Yeah. All the rights are the same, aren't they? Exactly. So... Um, I heard once that there was some additional creditor protection that might be available if you had a tenancy by the entirety. Um. Uh, yes, that's true. I'm sorry. I was. I thought Mike was going to um, respond. Yes, the um, ability of creditors to reach the equity in the house is limitedly protected by a tenancy by the entirety. So in other words, it might be preferable if you're a married couple don't just have a simple joint tenancy, but have a tenancy by the entirety because it gives you some additional creditor protection as well. That's correct, okay. yes. Well, that's an important point to know. Now, what about having something like a life estate deed? What if you want to 
have um, an interest just for your life, and then when you die, you want it to go on to children, for example. Could you explain that one? Well, um, a life estate deed has pluses and minuses. Essentially what it says is the owner has the right to live in that property for life, and that person then gives a remainder interest to somebody else, and that remainder interest becomes the owner of that property on the instant of death of the original life tenant. It's a little bit complicated, but it's not too bad to understand. All right. So are there there any drawbacks in doing a life estate deed or a remainder kind of a deed while you're alive? Are there any issues with that? Um, We have a number of issues with life estate deeds. Um, One, of course, is that if the property is sold, the proceeds are to be divided up between the life tenant and the remaindermen. So if it's your house and you give a remainder interest to somebody and then the house is sold, that remainder person gets part of the money. And that's not always acceptable to people. Um, There's also the possibility that your house could be subject to creditors for the remainder person, creditors of the remainder person. So there are issues related to it. Now, when you do your seminars, and and you and Mike are going to both speak at the seminars coming up on the 16th, um, do you talk about any of these kinds of issues during your seminar? Yes, we do. We talk about um, virtually everything that we're talking about today, but with greater depth so that people hopefully will understand it in, um, in, in a better way. Mike, do you know who uh, Rod, Rodney Dangerfield was? I've heard of him, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite quotations from him is he said, a girl phoned me the other day and said, come on over, there's nobody home. I went over, nobody was home. <laughs> Well, we don't want that situation, do we? No. <laughs> he was a great guy. He's the, he is also the guy, by the way, Tenny, who said, take my wife, please. please. <laughs> I know. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, if only there were some woman who said, take my husband, please. <laughs> take him as often as you want. <laughs> well, so there's different kinds of tenancies and different kinds of ways you can hold title to real estate. And... There's pluses and minuses, and I guess for most people, it would not be a bad idea to sit down and get some advice on that subject, right? If somebody just wants to go to your office and talk about that, uh, Tenny, how do they reach you and how do they make an appointment? If you would please call 508-998-8800 and just ask to come in. Our initial appointments are free of charge, and we'd be happy to talk with you about all of the issues that we're going to mention today. Okay, and um, let's talk about mortgages for a minute. I know we're jumping ahead because I do want to talk about Homestead and ask you some questions about Homestead, Mike, but let's just jump ahead and talk about mortgages. Most people, when they first buy a house, they have a down payment on the house, they have a mortgage, so you've gotten through the closing. Um, At the beginning of the hour, I mentioned that why don't people think about protecting themselves by having some insurance to pay off the mortgage? It's so inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Um, our son, my son and Tenny's son, Peter, who's not here today, uh, recently is doing a $1 million life insurance policy, and the cost of that is like $120 a month. It's fairly cheap. Mm-hmm. So if something happens to him, not only is the house mortgage paid off, but there's money to educate children and so forth. If you had a mortgage, let's say, for $200,000, you could be looking at maybe... 
25 or $30 a month, depending upon your age, to pay off that mortgage. That additional cost is worthwhile. And you ought to do it, by the way, for both spouses if you're married. Because let's say that the wife died first, and maybe she was a part-time worker, which often happens in society today. Um, somebody still has to pay for or re- replace her income and so forth. So it's not just something for a man or whoever the higher income spouse is. Uh, You should both look at it. If you'd like information, by the way, uh, we're happy to give you quotations. It takes us um, just minutes to put together quotations to get insurance that would protect your mortgage and pay off your house. And how would somebody reach you if they would like to ask that question? Oh, that's a good thought. I'm so busy asking you questions. I know. Uh, Give us a call at USA Wealth Group, 508-998-8858, or go to usawealthgroup.com, get in touch with us. Um, We're going to give some information out at this uh, seminar. Uh, Tell folks again when the seminar is is, uh, held. Maybe, Mike, you can give us that information. Yep, there are two seminars coming up. Uh, They're both on Thursday, the 16th. The first one's at... 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the second one is at 6.30. They're both at our office uh, at Lance Law on 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth, right across from uh, Vanity Fair. So if you'd like to sign up for one of those, please give us a call at 508-998-8800, or you can email us at info at lancelawinc.com. Okay, good. And uh, I guess it would be useful to go there. And by the way... Um, I know in your practice you have a lot of different reports that you can give out to people. So if somebody could not go to a seminar, for example, you've got different uh, publications on wills and trusts and estate planning devices. Sure. Um, yes. Tendencies. Just, just ask us, and uh, our address is Post Office Box 70100 in Dartmouth. You could write to us if you would prefer to do that. We'd be happy to send you back copies of all kinds of reports on various aspects of estate planning and asset protection. So let's talk about a few physical things that somebody can do to protect themselves in their house. Um, Some of them are fairly simple. Uh, Lock your doors when you go out. Have an alarm system. There's a lot of good alarms companies uh, in New Bedford. Um, You've got home monitoring systems you can do that now through some of Uh, I think Comcast has it and Verizon. They both have a service where you can have uh, small cameras put up in your house, and they'll monitor it for you. You can monitor it yourself. Um, We've seen some of that on television every once in a while when Mm -hmm. somebody's sitting at work and they happen to open up their laptop and click on their house and they see somebody rummaging through their house. Well, you can call the police if that happens. But lots of good security systems. We've worked with um, All Security in New Bedford. Um, there are lots of others. I'm not going to give all the names out at this point. But guess what happens if you put an alarm system in your house? Not only does it give you more peace of mind, but it you can get a discount. your insurance rate, right? Your insurance rate's going to go down on your home. So in a fairly short period of time, it'll pay for itself. So what happens if you go on vacation? You can... Monitor your house right. while you're on vacation. I was going to mention that. Don't put on Facebook that you're going on vacation. I know. I could never understand how people thought that was a good idea. You know, you're absolutely right. I was just listening to somebody this morning, an announcer, talking about, you know, post-Patriots game stuff. And he said, well, he was going down to Mexico. In fact, it might have been in WBSM that I heard that this morning. Somebody was saying 
They're going down and studied trade patterns in Mexico, and he described when he was going to Mexico. Well, somebody could go break in your house. Yeah. So be careful. Absolutely, Mike. Don't post the pictures afterwards. Yeah, when put you get the pictures back. on afterwards <laughs> and say, "This is what I did on my vacation." Right. But gosh, you see it all the time. So many people say, "I'm looking forward to my vacation." You know, I'm leaving on Saturday for a week, yeah. <laughs> and everybody's out there saying, "Great, hurry up and get out of the house." <laughs> it's like home you know? alone. But that's that's called common sense, yeah. isn't it? Sometimes it's too much to ask. Well, um, protect yourself physically, clearly. Have a neighbor watch your house if you're away. Uh, don't let newspapers accumulate. Make arrangements for a family member to pick up your mail, pick up your newspapers so it doesn't look like the house is empty. Just simple things. Mm-hmm. Maybe have, sensors for lights. Yeah, sensors for lights. Yeah. yeah. Yep. We have a neighbor near where we live who's, I know he's, he's away for three or four months and... Every night at exactly the same time, the light comes on at exactly the same time, the shades are in exactly the same position. Yeah. It wouldn't take a lot of effort to figure out that there's nobody really there. Yeah. So, But you have to have a little common sense. So, yes, physical protections, absolutely. Uh, we do have a lot of house breaks, and especially um, uh, more recently. Um, let's talk about the homestead. We're talking with attorney Michael Coleman and attorney Tenny Lance from Lancelot Inc., you can reach them at 508-998-8800. And you can call that number also if you want to make a reservation for one of the seminars on the 16th of February. But let's talk about Homestead. So what exactly is Homestead, and why doesn't everybody do it who has a house? Well, that's a good question. It's a really easy way of protecting uh, the equity that you have in your house. So if you file a homestead with the Registry of Deeds, it's only $35 to file this document at the registry. That's cheap. Yep, you get uh, $250,000 in protection if you're below six, if you're younger than 62. If you're uh, older than 62, that jumps up to $500,000 per individual. And that's uh, protection for the equity against unsecured creditors. So a lot of times what happens is that if people get into a car accident or something like that and they get sued... They have that homestead protection. It's really important. And it's a fairly simple document to put together? It is. Yeah, we do it all the time. So if somebody wanted simply to do a homestead, they could go to your office and give you a call and say, I just want to put a homestead in my house? You could do that, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So it's fairly inexpensive. Um, if you have a home and you have a mortgage, you've got a homeowner's policy, you have liability insurance with that but it doesn't always protect you as much as you think it does. Um, Absolutely have a homestead. If you have a house and you don't have a homestead, then you've missed out on some, uh, a very useful device that can protect your family and protect your equity in your house. That's a very cheap protection, right? And as Mike said, what you want to do is when you turn 62, keep this like a little blinker in your mind that you want to do a new homestead that's called, inappropriately, I think, an elderly homestead. You want to put a new homestead on if you're 62 or over. And I'll give you a little quotation, too. I mean, your home is very important. It's, it's the number one asset that most people want to protect. Uh, there was a, a, an author who wrote Little Home on the Prairie. It hasn't been on television for a while. Uh, Laura Inglis, Ingalls Wilder, she said, Home is the nicest word there is. Hmm. It is. It's where we feel comfortable. 
It's where we can feel safe, secure, protected. And it's the asset that most of us want to protect most. So our most important message to you today is do your job and protect your family and do some of these things that uh, these fine attorneys are talking about today. So let's talk about when you go to um, buy or sell your house. Um, should you be represented by an attorney when you buy or sell your house? Absolutely. It's usually the biggest financial transaction that you will ever undertake in your life. So why would you undertake it without somebody pointing out all the legal uh, possible quirks and problems that you might have without an attorney? You are not protected. And you should do it really before you sign a purchase and sale contract, I assume, right? Well, that's right. Um, people don't understand that when you get an offer on your property and you sign that, that is a legal contract. And it is followed up by a purchase and sale agreement, which is also a legal contract. And in that purchase and sale are all the provisions that are going to protect you until the closing occurs, whether it is protection from liability for some uh, inspector to come in and trip over a wire in your house and sue you, or whether it is simply what would happen if a fire occurred in your house between the time you signed that and the time you sell. You need a really sound um, purchase and sale agreement to be in place. So with the exception of maybe signing the contract when you go to sign a car, because most everybody just signs the contract when they buy the car, mm -hmm. if you're going to buy or sell a house, you really ought to have the contract reviewed before you sign it. Right? Absolutely, because as Tenny said, that's a legal contract. It's binding once you sign it. So all those provisions in there are going to stick after you've signed that contract. And I know you folks do a lot of work with uh, real estate brokers, and, and Tenny and I both have uh, real estate licenses as well as Peter and so forth and are involved in that occasionally. And we do a lot of good cooperative work with fine real estate brokers. But generally, what's your opinion of having a real estate broker prepare the contracts? Well, a real estate broker is not an attorney, and if they prepare a purchase and sale contract, they are effectively practicing law without a license, and they could be reported for that, actually, to their uh, professional organization. So if you're going to be involved with either the buying or selling of a house, please be in touch with an attorney prior to signing anything. Okay, that's good advice, and I think most real estate brokers follow uh, that recommendation as well and suggest that people talk to their attorney. Of course, they're always anxious to get the contract signed and get the deal underway, right. but um, take the time out to go get representation. Um, what about home inspections? Do you recommend home inspections if you're buying a house? Oh, absolutely. Um, you want to know whether the roof leaks, whether the um, downstairs timbers are infected with termites or all of those sorts of things, whether there's lead paint in the house. All of those need to be inspected by a qualified inspector and a report given to you that you could rely on if maybe the inspector's wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I echo that recommendation as well. Uh, absolutely get the house inspected by somebody who's been in the business for a while and knows what they're doing, uh, critically important. I mean, an example that we went through, 
um, we were looking at a small piece of property up in New Hampshire, and uh, we needed to get the water checked because there was no public water. It was on a well. And part of our inspection was the uh, produ production of that well and the quality of the water. And we eventually walked away from that deal because we couldn't, um, we couldn't get the kind of uh, inspection report that we thought was needed. I think the state minimum was like eight gallons a minute, and this well was producing two gallons a minute. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't going to produce enough water. And right away, you're going to be looking at a ten dollars or $15,000 cost to put a new well in. Yeah, and, and part of the problem with that, too, is if you don't have an inspection and you purchase a, a property and then later on you want to sell it and it gets inspected and they find these issues that you hadn't found in the first place, you're going to have trouble selling the house. Yep. So that's and it's too late to have recourse back to the seller at that point, isn't it? Because once the closing takes place, the deed passes, it's recorded, the purchase and sale contract is now nullified unless right. you have something that says this contract will survive the closing, will survive the yeah. passing of the deed. Another reason to have the contract reviewed by an attorney before you do it. Well, uh, so we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the tax aspects of um, your home. We're going to talk about protecting your house from nursing homes and a few other things. We're talking with attorney Tenny Lance and attorney Michael Coleman, and they're going to remind you in just a moment when we come back about the seminars on the 16th of February. So stay tuned. We'll be right back and tell you how you can protect your home. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to MoneyWise, brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. We're so happy to be part of your family on Sunday morning. We're so happy to show you things that you can do to protect your home, which is the topic for today. So our guests this morning are attorney Michael Coleman and attorney Tenny Lance, and welcome back. Thank, Thank you. you. Good to be here. Yep, we always appreciate having you here because you are a wealth of knowledge. So tell us about the seminars that you have coming up on Thursday, Tenny, in case anybody is interested, or Mike. Uh, yeah, we have two seminars on Thursday, February 16th. The first is at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. second is at 6.30. They're both at our office on Fonts Corner Road, 352 Fonts Corner Road, uh, right across from Vanity Fair. So if you'd like to sign up for one of those seminars, you can call us at 508-998-8800. Or you can go online and email us at info at lancelawinc.com. Let me just describe a little bit more about what these seminars are going to be about. Okay. It's not just uh, protecting your home. It's talking about the differences between wills and trusts and what other legal documents you should have in place, everyone should have in place, like property powers of attorney and health care documents. And then we talk about... Um, the asset protection um, related to things like Medicaid and protecting your home. And part three is going to go into a uh, discussion that Ray will uh, have about Social Security, retirement income planning, and so forth. But I did want to let you know that these seminars are about more than just protecting your home. Okay, so we hope that somebody will be interested to attend because there's a lot you can learn, and there are also a lot of free reports you can get from either of our offices. Uh, just simply ask or go to usawealthgroup.com. Um, here's a quotation from Mr. Anonymous. By the time a family pays off the mortgage for a home in the suburbs, the home isn't home in the suburbs aren't 
suburbs. <laughs> but one of my favorites is actually Robert Frost, who said, home is the place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. <laughs> so think about that one. So um, protecting your home is really important. And we started out at the beginning of the show saying you need to do your own job, which is to protect your family. And then you need to rely upon good qualified people like uh, the lawyers at Lance Law, Inc., who can help you do your job. But number one thing in your life, if you are uh, married, if you have children especially, you want to do whatever you can at all times to protect your home. And if you think about it, um, for example, Mike, if somebody broke into your home, you'd do almost anything to defend it and protect it, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you're concerned to make sure you have insurance on your house so that if you had a fire or a flood or some other calamity, a tree fell on your house, you'd want to know that you had the protection to fix your house and take care of it. Absolutely. But it should be no different to make sure that your house is protected with the right kind of tenancy, with having the homestead, with having perhaps insurance to pay off the mortgage. These are all critically important things to take care of the largest asset that most of us have or will ever have in our life. There are a lot of interesting tax provisions and keep an eye on these, ladies and gentlemen, because there have been discussions that maybe some of these tax provisions might go away under a new administration. We don't know yet. It's too early to tell. But home ownership is very much a preferred asset under the Internal Revenue Code, the tax code. Uh, you get to deduct interest on your mortgage. You get to deduct your uh, real estate taxes. Typically, you're going to have to itemize your deductions in order to do that. But also, if you go to sell your house, if it's been occupied by you as your primary residence for at least two years out of the last five-year period, when you sell it, you can exclude a good chunk of the capital gains and not have to pay taxes on it. You can't do that with commercial property. You can't do it with a second home. But you can do it with your primary residence. And that's because Congress, under the tax code, has recognized that owning a house is something that's important, not only to protect families, but to stimulate the economy and build more homes and sell building products. So it's, it's a special tax break you get as a homeowner. And if you're a tenant and you're thinking about buying a house, uh, just do remember that there are some very special tax breaks. So if you sell your house um, and you have had a gain in the house that has appreciated in value, for an individual, the first $250,000 of capital gain is tax-free. And if you're married, you can double that. It's $500,000. Those are very special benefits of home ownership. Um, let's shift gears for a minute, uh, Tenny, uh, Attorney Tenny Lance, and let's talk about what are some of the other kinds of things that you might do. Uh, let's say if somebody has to go to a nursing home, are there ways that we can protect the house? Well, yes, there are. Um, and it's very interesting what has happened in the estate planning field over the last, I don't know, five to ten years. It used to be that um, estate planning involved making sure that you had these documents in place that we were talking about and had something called a revocable living trust so that your property could be protected against going through probate. Now what is happening is there is a sort of an advanced stage of estate planning, and it's called asset protection. And asset protection 
invariably involves protecting the home. That may be done with another type of trust, but as you were saying, Ray, it can also be done with something called long-term care insurance. Right. And it's a little complicated. Do you want me to get into some details? Yes, and I would just mention very quickly that long-term care insurance is not necessarily for everybody, and it's become a little bit more costly lately. So most people today aren't doing long-term care insurance, but it can still be useful if you want to do just a minimum policy, and the whole purpose is to protect the house in case somebody goes to a nursing home. And I want to just say that what the government has said, what the state of Massachusetts has said, is that if you carry a certain amount of long-term care insurance, you've helped pay for part of the cost to support you if you have to go to a nursing home. So as a reward, they tell you that you get to keep the house without having a lien put on it. So you may not want to spend money to have a 250 or $300 a day long-term care policy, which could cost you many thousands of dollars a year. But if you carry what's called a minimum long-term care policy, and that's what, $125 a day, Tenny? $125 a day for two years, yes. So if you have that minimal policy, then the state is not allowed to place a lien against your house, correct? That's right. And that's uh, a major reason, really, why people are picking up these long-term care policies. And as Ray said, the more expensive, um, larger daily rate policies are not necessarily what you need to do. You just need to get this basic policy. And I think some of these policies now have um, riders that turn into life insurance at some point. Is that correct? It yes. Is, it is correct. Yep. Yeah. They, they either are life insurance that turn into long-term care or the other way around, long-term care that turn into life insurance. So um, yeah. all kinds of interesting, complicated, but interesting ways of using this kind of insurance. That's, that's a very useful distinction. So there's two ways you can do it, and it's one of the things that we do at USA Wealth Group. And if you'd like more information, we can talk to you about that. So if you have a long-term care insurance policy on one side because you want to protect the house, but you never have to go to a nursing home, one could argue that, well, I've put all this money out in premiums. Right. Mm. But if you have the insurance rider, then it's going to pay back the cost of everything you've paid out for the premiums. You get right. your money back, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And on the other side, um, many life insurance policies are being sold now. So you have a life insurance policy to protect your family. But what happens if you've got this life policy and now you need to go into a nursing home? Well, if you have a cash value policy, they want you to pull the cash out. So a lot of life insurance policies today are being sold with what's called living benefits or living benefit rider. And what that simply means is, okay, now you've got life insurance to protect your family, which is a good thing to do. But now if you go to a nursing home, you get to cash out some of the death benefit early and apply it to be used for the nursing home. Mm. So let's say you had a $200,000 life insurance policy, and now that person has to go to a nursing home. How do you pay for it? Well, they let you use proceeds as if you had died and take the money from the life policy. Mm -hmm. Of course, then when the person dies, it's credited back. You don't get to get paid two times. 
But people usually start out with life insurance when they are younger to protect um, their family, their younger children, and perhaps a, a spouse. But oftentimes they take out term policies because they expect if the child has grown up, then maybe they don't need their life insurance so much anymore. These new policies allow you to think of it as a continuum through life where it starts out protecting the children but ends up protecting your house. Mm-hmm. Have you had situations where uh, somebody wants to give a house to children, let's say, but they want to have some strings attached or do it over time. Have you seen situations like that before? Well, you can transfer interests in property to kids, certainly. Um, you could do a life estate deed so that you retain the, the right to live in the house for life. Um, but there are drawbacks to giving property to children, obviously. I mean, one of those is that you're going to lose control of the property. Whether you give a small interest or or the entire thing, the child is now going to be an owner of the property in some manner. So if you want to sell it, if you want to do anything with it, the child's going to have to agree to do that. And of course, from the federal gift tax point of view, you can only give away $14,000 a year as an annual exclusion amount. Right. But you could double that up, couldn't you? So For spouses, yes, you can do double that if you so want. So if you had a husband or wife and they wanted to give it to one child, they could give $14,000 of value each or $28,000. Right, yep. And if it was a child who was married, they could double that again to $56,000. Right, right. So there are ways to give away from a tax point of view. People don't always consider all of the taxes when they think about doing something like gifting a house. There's also capital gains tax to think about, and that's a fairly complicated subject that I won't get into. But it's not just gift tax. It may not be uh, income tax. You may have something uh, related to real estate tax or to the um, capital gains tax. So lots of things to think about. Mm -hmm. And the other issue is if you have a homestead on a house and you transfer it to a child who isn't the resident of the house, you're going to lose the homestead rights because you're no longer the owner. Oh, that's interesting. So yep. that's another thing to think of. And then if your kids have creditors, and you know they're going to come after your house. So, Right. So before you put any interest in any child, you really have to think carefully about yep. what's the nature of this child. Uh, do they, very, dri do they drive faster than you do, right. for example, or, you know, things of that nature? Well, there are pros and cons of all of this, and there are tax considerations. Um, if you have a house that you've lived in for a long time and you paid very little for it, let's say you paid $30,000 for a house 25 years ago, and now it's worth 250000 and you give that house over to a child as an example, the child gets what's called a carryover basis. So they own the house for the same cost that you paid for, which is the $30,000. And if the child later says, I'm going to sell the house, and they haven't lived there, mm -hmm. they're going to pay a large capital gains tax. They'll have a large capital gains. But there's still some things you can do to protect against that, aren't there? You can have a life estate mm -hmm. uh, reserved or a life occupancy agreement, and now you claim that when, and let's say the parent continues to live there, but they want to get the house in the child's name, if you have a life occupancy agreement, or a side life estate agreement, then when the parent dies, the child can say, well, the, there was really a life estate deed, so I get a step up in basis. I inherit the house now at fair market value. Mm -hmm. 
So it's worth exploring. But as you can tell, ladies and gentlemen, it's a, it's a bit complicated, and you really need to get some uh, professional advice before you go and do some of these things. But there are some really good options there's also, the, yep. There's also the issues of of real estate taxes and whether you get any abatement from your community. If you have a veteran's abatement or an elderly abatement, and you give your house to your child, that abatement's going to disappear, poof, and you won't uh, have that credit against your real estate taxes anymore. Yep. Excellent point. So that's something else to think about. Another reason to get um, some good professional advice before you go ahead and do some of these things, and. Um, uh, Tenny Lance and Michael Coleman are happy to sit down with you and go through some of these things and find out what your goals are. And as I said at the beginning, mostly what we want to do is to tell you that there are many, many things you can do to protect your house, um, not only from nursing homes, but from probate, from um, creditors, just so many things you can do. And one of our jobs is to sit down with people and determine what their goals are and what their needs are. And um, there isn't any one-size-fits-all estate plan for everyone. And we try to make sure that we understand what everyone's goals are and uh, work to meet those goals with the legal documents that are needed. So let's talk for just a minute about protecting your house if somebody goes to a nursing home, because mm -hmm. I know you both get a lot of inquiries on that subject, don't mm -hmm. you? How can I protect my house? Well, I was just going to mention that uh, one of the things that we hear sometimes is clients will come in uh, concerned about the house and concerned about nursing home care, and they say, well, I'm just going to transfer my house to my child. That's not a good strategy at all um, for Medicaid planning or nursing home protection. Why is that? Well, that could be what's called a disqualifying transfer. So if you transfer your house to your children, you need nursing home care within the next five years. That's going to come back to haunt you. Is this what we mean by the five-year look-back period? Yes. Yep. So in a, in a nutshell, if you transfer assets and then within five years of transferring, you go to a nursing home, that's potentially a disqualifying transfer. Potentially, yes. Okay. So... Are there, th are there vehicles available, uh, Tenny, that you might suggest somebody look at if, if they're really concerned about protecting the house uh, in case somebody goes to a nursing home? Uh, aren't there some newer things that you're doing now in the office? Yes, we've been doing more and more irrevocable trusts. What I do want to emphasize is, as Mike said, it still requires a five-year term. So if you're going to plan for nursing home protection, you need to plan more than five years in advance. But if you want secure um, protection of your house in case of a nursing home need, then you would want to do something called an irrevocable trust. And as I said before, more, more and more people are looking at this as a continuum where they may at age 60 or 65 or whatever, do a revocable trust, and then maybe at 75 or 80 they come back in and they want to do an irrevocable trust just for the house. Or they may want to do it uh, all at once, but usually it's a progression. By the way, I want to mention something. I actually um, called the radio station earlier this week to find out if we could use a recorded message on somebody's cell phone over the air and found out, no, we really can't do that without violating FCC laws and so forth. But this is a message that came in to uh, one of our secretaries in the office, 
and I'm going to read it to you. We, we wrote it down so I can read it again. It says, I am calling from Criminal Investigation Division of IRS. These are the exact words, so it didn't even sound right. The matter at hand is extremely time-sensitive and urgent, as after all this we found that there was a fraud and misconduct on your tax, which you are hiding from the federal government. This needs to be rectified immediately, so do return the call as soon as you receive the message, and they give a telephone number. That's fraud. That's a scam. Don't return those calls. The IRS does not ever call. Mm -hmm. But this message was funny because... It was so grammatically incorrect with words left out and so forth. Um, and um, we called and asked Jason, and Jason said, no, we can't just play that message again on the air. But I thought it was important enough. I said, all right, so transcribe it, and we'll read it. If you get a call that says somebody's calling from the IRS or you owe money to the IRS, uh, just erase the call. Don't return the call. Um, let's come back for a minute and talk about uh, protecting your house from a nursing home with an irrevocable trust. So you've got to do this ahead of time. But if you do it ahead of time, you can protect the house, I guess. That's right. You need five years. That's a federal law that says that whatever transfers you make within the five-year time period before Medicaid is needed in a nursing home may disqualify you from Medicaid. Now, that's difficult for all of us because... Who among us knows whether within the next five years we might have a terrible situation occur and end up in a nursing home? But it's important to plan. And so everyone, I think, should consider that uh, a nursing home may be in their future and talk about what that might mean. And the important thing is you do need to plan. You need to do your job and protect your home uh, and protect your family. And the way you do your job is by giving a call to Attorney Mike Coleman or Attorney Tenny Lance. What's your office number, Mike? That is 508-998-8800. Uh, I also mentioned we have a few seminars coming up on Thursday the 16th. Uh, we're going to be, be talking about all the things that we've talked about today, so wills and trusts and powers of attorney and uh, nursing home protection. If you want to sign up for one of those seminars, Give us a call at the number I just mentioned, 508-998-8800. I would be happy to see you there. Good. And I'm going to mention, too, that there's many other things you can do with your house to protect your family and protect yourself. For example, you might do a reverse mortgage. And our office has done quite a few of those in the past. And it's a way that you can pull equity out of your house and use it to support yourself in your Later years, you have to be at least 62 years of age or older. You have to have equity in your house. But um, increasingly, a lot of people would prefer to be in their house than to be someplace else. And so you can do reverse mortgages. We can talk to you about that. And um, most importantly, um, you just need to do something to protect your family. And frankly, you got to do as much as you can. Now, what we do at USA Wealth Group, just as a quick reminder, is we handle the financial sides of um, protecting assets. Uh, we do a lot of work with life insurance and a lot of work with annuities as a way to have safe money strategies in play. But nothing is more important than starting out with number one and protecting your home. And what we do at our seminars is try to make clear to everyone all of these various aspects of legal documents because we know they're very complicated. We know they make people's heads feel fuzzy, but we try very hard to uh, point out um, 
how they interrelate, what they are, and make that all clear. And just really quickly, Tenny, in order to do some of the strategies uh, to protect assets from a nursing home, um, you do need to have certain legal documents in place, too, like powers of attorney and proxies and so forth. Absolutely. The powers of attorney can keep you away from a conservatorship in the court, big words like that, or a health care power of attorney can keep you away from guardianships. So uh, lots of documents that you should have, all of them doing separate things, important things. So what keeps you awake at night, ladies and gentlemen? What do you think about? What do you worry about? And what's most important to you? If it's protecting your family, then you've got to get off your duff and take some action. We always have clients leaving our office saying they're so relieved that they've done some planning. Mm-hmm. So it's you know tough to start it, but come to the seminar. Hope, hopefully you'll learn something and can get started. Okay. And... As a reminder, there's lots and lots of free reports, both on the law firm and also at USA Wealth Group. Uh, we've got information on what all, all the tax numbers are for this year, how much you can contribute to retirement accounts. Those reports are free and available to you. We don't put them up on our website because uh, some of this is uh, trademarked material. We're not allowed to do that. But we just like to encourage people to Always think about your family and always think about doing something you can to protect yourself. And as always, we thank you every week for listening to our show. And Mike, Attorney Mike Coleman, and Tenny, Attorney Tenny Lance, uh, you are a repository of knowledge. We thank you for being with us. Uh, Thank you for sharing some of your knowledge. And um, keep up the good work. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We'll be with you again next week.